You're listening to X-Ray FM on KXRY Portland at 91.1 and 107.1, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. This is Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Nina Dabbitt. I'm X-Ray's development manager. I'm also co-coordinator of today's 12-hour teach-in. Um, in celebration of International Women's Day, we're hosting 12 hours of women-focused programming, amplifying women's voices and providing intersectional education on a diverse range of issues impacting women in Portland and beyond. Between now and 7 p.m., you'll be hearing some of Portland's most impactful community leaders, educators, activists, artists, and professionals tell their stories to educate, empower, and inspire change. As part of today's programming, I'll be talking with Kieran Bond, former community manager at X-Ray and co-coordinator of Amplify Women in 2018 and 2019, and Emily Gilliland, um, who's kind of just been everything at X-Ray, I think, um, but most recently was our interim executive director um, and also has participated in, in Amplify Women pretty much every year. If you'd like to add to the conversation with any questions or comments about today's programming, I encourage you to do so by texting. The text number is 971-220-5979 or by sending an email to dj at xray.fm. Miranda, my co-coordinator, and I will be checking all day as the 12 hours play out, even though this is pre-recorded. Um, so let's get started. Hello to both of you. Hi. Hello. Can you both tell me a little bit about yourself and your past participation with Amplify Women? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I'm Kieran Bond, I usually have pronouns, and uh, formerly at X-Ray, as you mentioned, um, as a volunteer and a producer and, and community manager. Um, I now work um, at Oregon Community Foundation and I produce podcasts with Oregon Humanities um, in my spare time. Um, we kind of launched Amplify Women in 2018. Um, you know, a seed of an idea from Amanda Brockman, who has also probably been everything to X-Ray um, ahead of uh, Women's History Month. And um we had an idea to do a teach-in like we did with Juneteenth the previous two years and felt like a really good time to jump in. So um, I'm. it's so lovely to hear you introduce it five years, you know, the fifth year on. Um, so exciting to bring back lots of good memories. Um, I'll, I'll swing it to Emily. Thanks, Karen, and good morning, everybody. My name is Emily Gilliland. My pronouns are my name and she, hers. Uh, I have started my experience with X-Ray as a sort of guest host on the morning show, and that turned in a, into a five-year love affair as a, as a more permanent host on the morning show, and then also a co-host of The Local, which is our daily uh, local news podcast that we've did, done for a few years, sort of connected to COVID and wanting to keep local news at the forefront as we uh, were dealing with the new reality of a pandemic in our in our hometown. So I started as a volunteer in the morning on air, um, which included being part of the first Amplify Women in the years that followed. Um, I did have the opportunity, as you said, needed to be the interim executive director. So I'm in a staff leadership role with the team over the beginning of 2021. It's hard to keep track of time. Um, but now I am interim CEO at Cascade AIDS Project. Um, I have been in nonprofit leadership for a good chunk of my career and really involved and excited to be part of the work of an organization in a time of transition and how can you bring in community engagement and voice 
um, and experiences into that moment to help an organization emerge in the best way possible. So excited to be at CAP and CAP also has PRISM Health, which is an LGBTQ focused health center, the only one in the Pacific Northwest. Um, they're the largest HIV and AIDS service provider in the state of Oregon um, and really excited to be part of that work. That's awesome. I didn't know that. And more things you learn every day on air. Um, I realize I didn't introduce it uh, quite as explicitly because it's sort of a meta concept of what we're going through today. Um, Not meta like Facebook wants to be, um, but meta like we're five years into Amplify Women and we've done a lot and the teaching has changed quite a bit um, since it first started in 2018 um, for a lot of reasons. I think we all can acknowledge that it's been a different kind of time um, to 2022 from 2018. Um, But we're gonna do a five-year retrospective to kind of look back on what has happened, how we've evolved and how that participation has made an impact um, in Portland and on the station. Uh, So I wanna start today with identifying the why of Amplify Women, like why do we do this? Why do we bother? Um, It's 12 hours of programming. It's a lot of work to put on. Um, and why teach-ins in general. I think Kieran really aptly mentioned that Amplify Women started as something we were doing in addition to a Juneteenth teach-in. And if I recall correctly, we started doing the Juneteenth teach-in after a stabbing on the max um, really prompted like us to have like some more racial conversations um, on air and really explicitly call that out. Um, so we definitely heard laundry lists of folks basically complaining whenever, because we're, we're getting rid of all the content. What you're hearing right now is not what you would normally hear Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Um, but Amplify Women is almost an act of protest. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's purposely making a point and showing up where you may not expect it and where like normally scheduled, normally scheduled programming would exist. And sometimes folks get upset about that. Um, and are like, where, where's my programming? Uh, where's Tom Hartman, especially because that's so ubiquitous throughout our schedule, but it's meant to disrupt and it's meant to prove the point. So even X-Ray has made such a great effort to bring broader representation of the airwaves. We're still part of this larger industry that doesn't hear many women on air, less so of even more women who hold multiple marginalized identities. And that's a problem. The whole point is to point it out, to show like, hey, does this sound different than your every day? Then maybe that might be an issue. Um, so I wanna pose the question to you both. What do you see as the most important part of doing a teach in this way? Um, and how do you see that impacting our world? Happy to happy to jump in on that. I mean, I think the, the, the work of, X-ray is to inform, inspire, and move people to action. And there's no better way to do that than to really concentrate in on the messaging um, and do it over time so that, you know, we we know people are tuning in and tuning out throughout the day as they're able, as they're on their commute, as they're looking for some great tunes uh, to inspire their day or to get informed by by, um, programming that's more news focused. So, this does demand people's attention and tries to capture um, the moment throughout the days that folks are, or the day that folks are tuning into. So I think it's 
really important to have that concentrated time and to focus on those three aspects, which is to inform, inspire, and move people to act. I know that the best interviews that I've heard or even conducted myself over my time with X-Ray as a volunteer have have done just that, informed, inspired, and moved me to act, moved me to act. So this is a day to do just that, concentrate people's attention, capture them, catch them when we can throughout the day, um, and make the world a little bit better. Karen, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with everything um, you said, Emily. It's so beautifully articulated. And something I really like about a teaching format is, right, that the 12 hours. And as you progress through the day, you build upon your knowledge about these different identities, right? Women are not represented in one body or experience. And so, you know, you might learn about, right, maybe women in community engagement and philanthropy like Emily, you and Carol were a part of. Um, And then you'll go to a conversation by Tuck Woodstock, who runs Gender Reveal and, you know, learn more about Beyond the Binary. And then you're going to hear about women in trades. And so I think the idea of including so many different perspectives, contexts, and lived experiences um, as you continue to jump in and out, right, in between, you know, when you're commuting to and from work um, helps just understand, wow, there's so many different ways that people experience um, life and for this context um, being a woman. And we also have the privilege, I'll say, of having the airwaves, you know, not a lot of people have that privilege. And so we, you know, or X-Ray as a community media organization has, you can do whatever you want and we can do whatever we want. And, and that's kind of part of why Amplify Women was started. We were like, we can, you know, preempt 12 hours and we can say, sorry, Tom Hartman, um, you'll be back tomorrow and that's okay. So um, yeah, I just thought I'd add that piece. Yeah, I think it it especially highlights for me, and maybe this is because I'm very behind the scenes on on booking Amplify Women for now the third year, uh, how many folks are really interested or like really want to be able to like have their voice heard and, and find their voice and what it could look like being broadcast, but they don't have the time. There's sort of, there's different sorts of systems and structures that really can prevent people from getting involved on a more regular basis with something like community radio. Um, most evidently is usually at work and childcare. And those sorts of things show up for people still, but they are able often to make a one-time thing happen where they couldn't make a regular thing happen. And we're able to give those folks that voice. It, some people do it every year. Emily, you're one of the people that have showed up like most years of Amplify Women um, your friend, Carol Collymore is also somebody that frequently is like, I wish we heard Carol every single day of the week, but it's, she's a busy person, <laughs> more busy than I think I knew possible. <laughs> and we're able to hear those women because of that format. Um, but as we, as we talk about how things have changed, right? So like we've been doing a teach-in for a while. We know how to do a teach-in. Um, but a lot has changed in how we show up for activism since 2018. What activism looks like. It's not just um, pink hats and women's marches. Um, and I don't even think it was then. But in terms of what the cultural conversation was, it felt very much centered around those sorts of topics. Um, 
And Kieran, you pointed out in our initial discussion that this first teach-in was planned in the first year of the Trump administration. Uh, and that that really impacted what you were talking about and what you all cared to book and wanted to talk about. Um, and I, I can imagine what I, what I myself would have wanted to book um, at the time. Um, so many of the things that we'll actually be talking about this year, five years in, or even last year when our programming was pandemic focused, um, may have been considered really far-fetched when you all first started, but now are like more common and or more easily culturally accessible. Um, so Kieran, I'm curious, what was yours um, and your co-coordinator was Amalia, um, what were your goals in booking and producing that first year's teaching? It's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think setting the context was important. Like you said, um, Nina, after the first year of Trump's administration, kind of dovetailing with, you know, the Me Too movement and this um, women's march activism in quotes or whatever you want to call it, it was, um, when I think about it, it feels like it's very pink in a way, just like lots of pink on the women's march type. Um, I think for the first time in my lifetime, conversations, um, you know, unfortunately around historic subjugation of women, sexual abuse were having happening in a really public forum, um, more public than I think that ever happened before. And that's, you know, 24 hour news cycle, social media, all these things, it was quite accessible to have these conversations. Um, and we weren't the first people to have these conversations, right? They've been happening for hundreds of years. And, uh, but I think our goal was to hold that space um, for people to share their stories, you know, across multiple experiences and identities in an industry like in media, like community radio in particular, pretty dominated by men, particularly white men. And so in a way this felt like a protest and like teaching has have historically been, have been a protest and it felt quite personal um, at X-Ray. It felt personal and we've, we felt that, yeah, we, personally felt like this would be really impactful for us. How could we use this um, as well for it to be kind of a protest on our part, but to help people amplify their own voices in the airwaves um, and creating just that access to, to the mic that, um, you know, can, can be quite um, gatekept just through access of media um, or privilege to be on the air. So that was kind of the goal is to just show the world here are these amazing people we have in Portland that have um, access to who are doing these unreal things. I think you would all benefit from it. And I was kind of making a judgment call that I think this is really, really important stuff to, to share um, with people who are within our, you know, couple of kilometre um, signal, <laughs> which I, I think is better now. Um, but that's, I would say that's, and I think Amali would agree that that was kind of the... Um, the reason that we started doing this. I think that's really important to point out too, is that like X-Ray will, I mean, we'll talk about every single thing that we're trying to do well, but that doesn't mean that everything is always going perfect. Um, and there's a lot of room, like we are participants in the media industry that is very much like privileging, like cis straight white dudes. Um, 
And that is massively unfortunate. Like, I, I frankly don't know, even at a place like X-Ray, if I, like, as a woman of color would have stayed if I was volunteering, just if I was going to, like, group meetings or, like, in those discussions based on, like, who was there and whether or not there was anybody like me. And I think that's really unfortunate. And it's also something that is has proven itself really resistant to change. Um, and I... I really appreciate personally, like one of the things that makes me happy about my job every year is that I get to put down fundraising for a little bit and do this teaching. And that's one of the things that makes it, makes it feel really valuable. So Emily, not only were you in the first Amplify Women, you were quite literally the first person. <laughs> like you and Carol were the first ones to just try it out and see what would happen. Um, I went and listened to that a few weeks ago because I was curious. Um, it was very charming. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, and I think it was, it was really telling because you all were doing a segment on women in community outreach and philanthropy, but it's so clear by the end of it when you're like, I had so many more questions and we didn't get to them. <laughs> like yeah. how important it was for you all to just like have that space on the air yeah. and get to like talk through whatever it like made sense to talk through. And I'm curious how, what that felt like, what did it feel like going into that? Um, how is your view on Amplify Women changed as your participation changes? Mm. Yeah, great questions. Um, a lot has happened as you've already said but in the last five years uh, through a Trump administration and the pandemic and midterm elections and so on and so forth. I think for me, I mean, radio has never felt comfortable to me um, and even less comfortable when it's just Carol and I as friends without a script, just talking on the radio, <laughs> because that's not what we sort of think about when we think about radio, we think about a script or, you know, um, folks reading the news, the, the kind of support that X-Ray provides to just let people talk and for it to be messy and not controlled um, and to show the emotion and the anger and the frustration um, as, as a place for folks to feel solidarity, to feel motivation to action for um, getting informed, like I said, like that's huge. It's huge. Um, and I think introducing more and more people to radio and its power is a, a super critical part of what X-Ray does. And so on this, as, as you've said, Nina, it's a huge commitment. I did the news two days a week for, I don't know how long it felt like a really long time. And talking about that president that we had between 18 and 22, every, you know, twice a week, all the prep that went into it, plus two hours, et cetera, like was just mentally grueling. So I'm so excited that we have these opportunities for folks to put dip a toe in and for us to create this oral history of what's going on in the world. I mean, I'm, I would be excited to listen back to some of our, and I'm excited we're doing that today as well, to, to mark these moments of how things have changed. It sometimes feels like we're, this is a terrible metaphor, but you know, a lobster in a pot and just the water has gotten so, we haven't even noticed how, how difficult it has gotten. Um, even when it feels the most difficult. So um, I'm still in awe of it all. <laughs> the chance to have this unscripted moment to share my voice and ideals and 
and impressions of what's going on in the world. I've growing up always been told that I should be seen and not heard. And so the opportunity to come in and be held accountable for what I stand for um, on a daily, weekly basis through X-Ray and even through the uh, Amplified Women has changed my life. And the goal is to change others as well. And so I hope folks will take the opportunity to text in and let us know what this what this moment means to them um, and why we should keep doing it. Because we do want to continue to be responsive and reactive to the moment. A teach and feels like a super important continued effort on our part as a radio station to bring in those voices that aren't heard, to challenge us to new ways of thinking and doing and to get to that action. So the text line is 971-220-5979. Let us know what you're thinking and feeling about the importance of this day. You said that off just a little too easily. (laughs) (laughs) It's like riding a a bike, Nina. I haven't been on air for a while, but it's coming back naturally. You might have me back on the morning show in no time. Um, What does it mean to the both of you when somebody is heard, how does that change our discourse? And how does the media we consume feel like it affects how we talk to each other or how we go about our lives? I think it's really difficult for folks to conceptualize that. We often struggle to even conceptualize it for folks when we're doing our own outreach. I can, I'll talk from my own experience. And I, I'm sure this, is, this can be relatable to others, but it helps me understand people's lives. Um, more that's why I I read and I watch and I listen to people's stories that go beyond um, my lived experience because it helps me navigate the world in a less harmful way I think and have just a little bit more empathy um, in my day-to-day and realize that we're all going through it and some of us going through it in a lot harder way um, than others and I I feel like that's critical um, to making the world a better place. I really do think that having these conversations changes the world for the better. And it's a, it's um, changed my life, you know, being in this media landscape and just being able to listen, um, which like Emily said, does inspire me to action. Um, and there really is a strong correlation between that. I think the more you know, the more you're aware of and, and you take a little bit more notice and you know, you develop that empathy and that connection with people around you and you you feel upset when something happens that, that's not good for them and then you feel really happy and there's a, a sense of, you know, pride or um, just solidarity um, that does come with action and I don't want to deplete or I don't want to reduce just listening to action because it's not, um, but it is a step, um, a critical step towards that direction. So think of this as an opportunity, you know, one step in the process towards making the better the world a better place. Um, so that's my experience anyway, and I'm and I I'm curious to hear what you um, what your interpretation of that is, Emily. <laughs> There's, there's a great quote from Senator Cory Booker that's something like, "You can't hate someone you know," something to that effect. Um, And I think that a great interview is getting us to the to the nuance and the detail of others lives Um, There's absolutely critical for us to continue to function as community. There are so many ways in which we gloss over the details and we make these huge generalizations in order to function on a daily basis. We're just reading the headline, if you will, on a 
paper or in a, tw- in a tweet. And we don't get to that level of detail to really see the humanity um, and the vulnerability that so many people have, we all have. Um, and so that's one thing I, I love about X-Ray and our longer form interviews, because they're also in a lot of typical media, mainstream media that we uh, consume on a daily basis. We just get the headline, just get the three minute clip. And it's so out of context that it that it inspires some sort of emotional reaction that is not grounded in fact and nuance and detail and like that human connection. So radio is unlike any other vehicle um, in the media landscape. It's something that has survived and thrived over decades, now over a century. Um, And I see that same sort of important storytelling that has been a hallmark of radio and podcasts. I mean, podcasts to me are radio and a new kind of package. Um, And so being heard, you know, radio still has this unfortunate one directional kind of um, impact unless we do it better, unless we call for engagement, unless we take the responsibility to thank someone for sharing their story or like share the impact that a story has had. So hearing the detail is critical. That's what keeps us with a human connection. And I want to call to our listeners right now to take that next step and get active with the learning, the inspiration, the action, that's my theme, um, that they're feeling text in right now, send an email to the person you're hearing on the radio and thanking them for telling their story um, throughout this day. So let X-Ray know what you're going to do because you've heard Amplify Women. And let's let's get to this verification that we are listening, that we see each other, that we value each other, and that we, um, we want to support one another. Yeah, I think it's, it can get very easy especially with something like a teach-in that's like one day a year uh, to feel like, did we do enough? Um, And did we make enough of an impact? Um, I know one of the things Miranda and I try to do in helping to produce segments is make sure that somebody has like an action at the end. We quite literally cannot make calls to action on non-commercial radio. Um, Thank you lobbying of the FCC uh, that's a real nice attribute, um, but we can highlight what the options are. And I think that's something that our hosts have done a really good job of, of making sure that folks know what is available. I know with Amplify Women, one of the things that's, that's really hit me over the last three years is every single year, somebody brings up something that I had never even thought about or thought about to think about. Like I, I would not have known it existed, let alone thought about it as an option. Um, and every year somebody does it, um, and multiple people do it. I'm sure for me, it's one thing for somebody else, it's something else for me this year, actually, you'll get to hear this at 10 AM. If you keep listening, um, it was, uh, Kulpana, um, Krishna Murthy from forward together talking about um, how westernized uh, self-managed abortion has become and, and ways to make that nonviolent and more community focused and continue abortion access when it feels like inevitably Roe will be overturned. And that like, those are, I've never heard something like that talked about on the radio, not on a podcast, nothing. 
And it was, it feels revolutionary. Uh, there have been conversations, like I think we can play a clip um, right after this here um, of it from last year of uh, the Cascade Abortion Support Collective and Northwest Abortion Access Fund. Can you tell I care about abortion access? Um, <laughs> talking about uh, tear gas's impact on reproductive health um, in Portland neighborhoods, even for people that weren't at the protests and especially on trans folks going through hormone replacement therapy um, and how it literally changes their transition because of the way that it like chemically affects your body. Margot, you mentioned part of reproductive justice is um, safety in your community and um, safety when it comes to um, interacting with the police could probably be included in that. I know in Portland, we had a lot of protests um, for Black Lives Matters and wondering if you'd consider the use of tear gas and the repercussions um, or not of using that in crowds is something under this umbrella term of reproductive justice. Absolutely, I think absolutely it's, it fits within this realm of understanding um, in, in a myriad of ways, really. I mean, you know, a, a good part of our summer was collecting anecdotal evidence about um, people's experiences after having been tear gassed um, and some of the like symptoms they were experiencing in their bodies. Um, we know that tear gas has a really big effect on people's endocrine and reproductive systems. Um, and so people were reporting like missed menstrual cycles or too frequent menstrual cycles, um, even like for people on period stopping birth control, like they would have their period despite being on birth control, as well as abnormal discharge, hot flashes, intense uterus uterine cramping, um, symptoms of anemia even. And a lot of these symptoms were actually reported in people who take testosterone. So that is really significant to those people, um, like their interactions with the police response to um, protesting really put into jeopardy people's reproductive health. And, um, and we also know that tear gas has a pretty intense effect on, on people's, people who are already pregnant. Um, there's an increased risk of miscarriage as a result of being exposed to, to tear gas. And that's, that's really significant. Again, something that very clearly was not being covered um, by like every national journalist that decided to touch down in Portland in the summer of 2020. It feels really important to call back to those types of segments and what, what, what did feel like revolutionary at the time or what felt really important or like a conversation we needed to have, but honestly, we didn't know to have it. Kieran, I think one of the ones that you highlighted um, from your time with Amplify Women um, was Emily Prado's frankly, like absolute monster of a segment that was impressive um, on what is intersectionality and like quite literally going through, I think like six different people to talk to them over the course of a couple hours. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what was impactful there? Yeah, I, I think X-Ray has a lot um, of thanks to give to Emily Prado because uh, she just, I mean, the way that she shows up um, is so generous with her time and knowledge. And um, I think the way that I'm looking at it in retrospect is that Emily 
I don't know if she did or not, but I think she saw the gaps in our programming um, and said, I'm going to bring these folks in. Um, so in the, the way in which she, as a host, provided access during her hour to folks who were represented in the rest of the programming um, was badass. And I love, I love that she did that. And, and, and it was really, you know, a very generous moment for X-Ray too, because I learned a lot during that segment. Um, like you were talking about Nina, like I learned about trans lifeline for the first time and um, the things that they were speaking about in that segment, I had never even considered, you know, as, as a cis woman. And it was that moment that I just felt so grateful um, for the platform that we have at X-Ray and that we have these people willing to come in and talk about topics that are not covered by mainstream media, especially not you know, in 2018. Uh, today we have Carrie uh, on the phone. Carrie, are you there? Yes. Hey, <clears throat> Carrie. Thanks so much for Hi. joining us. Thank you for having me. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Carrie Amucci is a transgender woman, activist, drag performer, and a member of the administrative team for Trans Lifeline, a 5013C nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of transgender people. Trans Lifeline runs a hotline staffed by transgender people for transgender people and together they work to end transgender suicide and improve overall mental health of transgender people through education, advocacy, and direct service. Um, Carrie, um, I actually did notice that the next level event um, that you know that you're talking about says that it's in support of the SOFA line, which I uh, see mm-hmm. stands for a significant others, friends, family, and allies of trans folks. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell me what led to you know the creation of that line specifically. Yeah. Um, currently, the the primary, um, I guess, hotline for Trans Lifeline, um, it runs about 18 hours every day of the week. Um, if you go on our website, translifeline.org, you can see specific times that um, we have operators and like even um, in like different time zones. Um, but with SOFA lines, what led to that was while providing a hotline for trans people is paramount and you know it, really important to helping trans people navigate this world um, we also need to help people who want to help trans people on the ground um, <clears throat> so it's I think it's just kind of wrapping around the multifaceted trans activists and like trans advocacy sort of deal um, and that's just something that's come up that would be helpful right. to trans people. So I think that's why I highlight it because it was a learning moment for me to then go into next year's programming with more information. Um, Cause as producers, we do know, we do not know everything. That's kind of why we have this community engagement model where we bring people in to tell their stories, right? It's literally giving the mic over that clip for, for those reasons. And also this year we're offering honorariums to folks participating in this program and that's another piece of the equity um, of honoring equity and allowing more accessibility but Emily in in our uh, exchange beforehand she's she asks is there going to be food there because it's going to be around lunchtime and x-ray is pretty small operating budget I don't think that's something that we'd really thought about before but I loved that reminder and just felt actually yeah that thank you because that's a very real human need most of us eat lunch let's provide something so these people are sustained during these pretty intense conversations um, in the x-ray basement. So 
for a number of reasons, I think the accessibility that Emily um, provided during that hour was um, far beyond what I could have uh, imagined when I first read it. And so really grateful um, for that continued learning piece in our community, educating us as much as we think we're educating them. On that Arnhemarian piece, I think that's, it's important. I also want to just like call out the, the importance not only of like having that both as something that can break a barrier, but also in recognition of like, your perspective is worth a lot. And like your time is worth a lot. Um, and especially for the folks that come in and, and host who's, nobody was required to take an honorary, but we offered it to every host and producer this year. Like that's, that's a recognition of their work. It's a recognition of like who they are in the community and like what it means. Um, I'm personally really proud of that. It's something that felt like a pipe dream um, for me and Miranda. Uh, thank you, Oregon Humanities, for the grant funding. Um, that made a big difference. <laughs> um, also add to that, Nina, because I think in the past there was this idea that just being in the radio was gift enough and um, it's not necessarily, especially when people are coming back repeatedly. So um, it is a job and it is work and it's really fun to be on the mic. And um, it also is just really special to, to be able to offer folks recognition of their time. So um, shout out to Miranda for that great work and, and Oregon Humanities for making this stuff accessible. Yeah, I think on that note, what's, what's especially important is talking about why it matters that somebody's coming in as a host. And there's a reason for that, right? Like those folks get to actually steer the conversation. Like, I don't know about you all, but I would not have, I would not have even thought to bring up like something like self-managed abortion that Forward Together and PPAO was talking about. That would not like as an interviewer, somebody prepping, that would not have been something I would have thought to bring up. So being able to like hand the mic over feels especially important. Um, Emily, I want to call to you in this moment specifically because I know that you've talked a lot about how hosting and producing has affected you and affected how you're able to speak on the air and in your life um, and show up in community. And can you tell us a little bit more about what those effects have been and how you can also see them being reflected in some of our other folks? Yeah, it's a big question. Just like I like them, Nina. Um, and like to ask them, <laughs> you know, again, I, I go back to the format of X-Ray as is a really important um, special offering to the world because we're, of course, online. You can stream anywhere at xray.fm. Um, because we're not trying to get clicks, we're not trying to, you know, we and would love something to be viral or everyone would be aware of it, but that's not the that's not the main um, inspiration for how we do what we do or what we do or what we do. So this this idea of longer form uh, interviews is really important. Um, and during my time as host on X Ray in the morning, or even with uh, doing things for the local our daily local news podcast, you know, we had the time to get to a new level of depth. And doing candidate interviews for the last uh, election, we did over a hundred. That was a really special, uh, important opportunity again to have this sort of oral history of what was going on in the community, but to really get underneath 
why someone wants to run for office or why a particular issue is important that they're bringing forth um, through their work or through a through an interview that we're having. You know, when I my some of my favorite interviews that I've done specifically with candidates is with the judges. And I was able to ask questions like, what is justice? What is fairness? Those sorts of really big picture things that I think can drive people to understand a candidate better and, and move them as they're going to the ballot box or to their to their um, program and, and filling out their ballot. Um, and you know, the X-ray community is filled with so many amazing volunteers, folks who've been able to step up when they can for as much as they can. And our DJs are doing this on a daily, weekly basis. Um, not everybody can do that. Um, and so the power of our network to be able to bring people in as they are able. And now that we're able to show some gratitude through honorarium is just it's next level. And so exciting for the for the future of, of X-ray. I think as we as we talk about like how the privilege that it is to volunteer and get into a very meta conversation in the meta conversation is that community radio, the entire model functions off of like having a lot of volunteers and a lot of people willing to make content for free. And that is, that presents its challenges. It has its attributes. Like obviously we chose this model. We're sticking with this model, but it also means that sometimes you have to make amendments um, to be able to do the kind of programming you want. I know one of the things that that we face quite a bit, um, and you'll hear it even in this year's Amplify Women, where myself and Miranda or somebody that's another host or somebody we just know that offered interviewing somebody that we actually asked to lead their own segment. Um, and that's because that person isn't necessarily comfortable or they don't feel like they have time um, or they don't yet trust themselves to like, carry a segment on their own. Um, I don't think they're any less qualified than the person that ends up interviewing them. I actually think oftentimes they're more qualified. Uh, And I can say that as a point of self-deprecation myself. Um, But having those opportunities feels really important, but I think there's also an element here of making sure that we can keep moving forward and, and bring forth some of that empowerment that yes, you can actually like lead something. You are very capable. Like I will do everything to like help you. I'll play producer. I'll be there, time everything, tell you when you need to do something for FCC things. And we can make it happen. And I've seen a lot of people do that. Like I've got somebody this year, um, you'll hear her, I think it's four. Um, Nanisha Myers, she's from Akasha Massage, and she's talking about creating brave spaces, um, specifically in healthcare. Um, And being able to talk through, like, not only can you host a segment, even if, like, this is scary, I'm going to be there. I'm going to get you through it. Um, But also, you can do live radio. And, like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, the live radio is so scary. to a lot of folks, but it's something that I feel like we have a very unique opportunity to give people the platform, um, but also give them the confidence that like, hey, it's okay to mess up. I've like rolled out of bed during a fun drive and got on the air immediately. Was it fantastic? Nope. Sometimes it was. Um, (laughs) Like being able to make mistakes and like having that understanding that this is somebody in your community 
and that's what we're doing here. Um, and that this is a place also to learn about skills like this, but also learn about yourself and how you can grow. That all feels really important. I have felt bad at times, to be honest, um, throwing people in the deep end and saying, you're the expert, I want you on the mic. Um, people have been really quite nervous. I think the way that I've tried to navigate it in the past, and I was listening to a past um, Amplify Women to prepare for this, and uh, I was just the world's biggest hype woman. Yeah, what about you, Emily? I mean, if I were to go into the studio tomorrow, I would still be terrified before the lights went on and we were we were live. I think I think, you know, it is not surprising that there's such fear around it. I mean, uh, raising your voice, being your true self, expressing all the identities that we bring to the world that make us different and similar and amazing is dangerous. It can be physically dangerous for people to uh, share who they are. We see that on a daily, weekly basis. We're not beyond that in Portland or other parts of the country. So, you know, we can absolutely create the space and try to hold someone's hand or let them know we've got you and, you know, we're going to handle this, that, and the other thing, but there's no way to, to create a safe space. We can create a brave space for folks to share that and give cover or support or, or, you know, protect people as much as each of our privilege allows us to do so. But um, I hope that in our lifetimes, we'll be able to say that people's identities are welcome, celebrated, and valued in the way that we aspire at X-Ray. Um, we're not there, obviously, as a, as a community, as a country, as a world, but the little piece we can do is, is, is exactly that, hand over the mic, uh, give people all the preparation that they might need and support them and that taking that big step out into the unknown because it is very it is very scary it's very scary yeah and I think but it's also something like as we talk about people that like identify as feminine um, or identify as women not only has it been gatekept but it, it's been oftentimes like we will hear <laughs> And I'm sure you both have heard it too, um, where folks decide that like women's voices aren't good or they're not like pleasurable to listen to on the air or that they want to listen to like a deep manly voice. And it's like, I agree that's a cool voice, but also like your like internalized misogyny um, towards vocal fry, towards like basic mannerisms that are like very gendered, like are not my problem and you need to recognize them. And that's part of one of the things that, that we've done with Amplify Women is I think that at least I've tried to like really point out and Miranda and I have started like linking studies when we post things about the impact of like how people literally hear like women on the radio and how that affects whether they think it's a good show. Mm. It sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, that's no good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've had multiple people tell me to lower my voice when I'm speaking, whether it's radio or in a role. Like one of my very first professional roles, you've you've hit a nerve, Nina. Uh, One of my very first professional roles, I was told I should be older and that when I speak to people, I should lower my voice. Um, And at the time I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course I will do that. But uh, (laughs) it's, it's very real. 
we're so programmed to a particular aesthetic or aesthetic as visuals, whatever auditory sort of sense of perfection um, and the kind of diversity of voices that X-Ray brings in through hosts, through DJs, through community interviews. It's absolutely critical to break the mold and to decenter whiteness and cisgender, the cisgender male domination of this vehicle. That feels heavy. Um, yeah, yeah. I so appreciate that, that you pointing that out because it's a different type of bias that we don't, it's not a visual bias, it's an auditory bias, which, yeah, I haven't, haven't honestly thought about that much. Well, and it's also something that I don't think, you wouldn't know that it's a problem unless you were on the other side of the mic. Those things are, are like these very subtle biases that like can slowly chip away at people can make them less confident in themselves, even if they have like come forward to do something like a weekly show. And I think we're always going to be trying to make change. And, um, but at some point you're also like, you're expecting somebody to go into a situation that may like, where they may very well have to face criticism um, and need to, that that impacts mental health strongly. It can impact your physical health as well, depending on what kind of criticism it is. Um, And that's that's something (laughs) to ask folks to go into. Um, And it's something I think, I know I've grappled with it. I know Miranda's grappled with it of like, asking somebody to go into a space where they may not be welcome like in an active protest uh can be challenging to articulate why they should absolutely especially when there's physical risk when there's reputational risk professional risk yeah absolutely yeah right and, and hopefully those people that the final determinants of that that happens we can encourage them and, and provide as much right but but leaving that up to the person and and, and leaving the space for yeah this is a risk um honoring that feels really important yeah and I think I've pitched every single year of like oh we could do a like um you slash I used to work in politics um we <laughs> could do a um like issues with like political work and like sector work um on like women and women of color and I'm like and I could lead it and I know all these people actually no <laughs> I don't want to do that like that's a real risk um like on my career, despite being pretty outspoken about it. Um, and those sorts of things are, are really, really telling. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten kind of gotten onto a soapbox, but as we near towards the end of our time here, I want to make sure that we come back around to what Amplify Women is doing, what we hope to see out of it in the next five years. What I'm hoping to get out of it, I don't even know yet. Um, which is like so exciting. So in five years, conversations I'm not aware of that haven't happened yet are going to happen. Um, and that is really thrilling. Uh, I think I, a thought that I've had since the inception is how we kind of move beyond the binary and um, also holding the fact that women have done amazing things forever. I wanted to honor that legacy, very real legacy and also um, kind of get with 2022 or and beyond um, uh, feels important because, you know, there's noticing myself as a, as a producer of this on, on in 2018 and reading a tweet about 
um, I'm non-binary, but I feel like this day is kind of for me too. Um, it made me happy and kind of sad because it's not really um, for folks beyond the binary as long as it remains in the, in the way that it currently stands. So um, I think that's a question I have and maybe I want to see more of that or hear more of that um, going forward. I think when it comes to binary stuff, Miranda, Miranda and I have very much grappled with this as well, especially because, and that's true this year as well, um, we almost always have something about um, like just straight gender and like finding your comfort and like where, what gender are you? Um, and typically because it's amplified women, we prioritize bringing on trans women um, and like their finding of their identity and like coming into their own, like as a woman. But I think we've, we've often grappled with like, how do we represent folks beyond this? Cause while it's still important that we, that we call this out, that this is specifically like a women's thing. It's also important that we acknowledge some of those other pieces and maybe it's doing more teach-ins for all I know. I don't know who the time. I mean, one of the things that's rolling around in my head is just continuing to expand perspectives on what's going on in the world. And so I challenge myself to try to try to find out what I don't know, I don't know. Um, and especially when that comes to across a political spectrum, I think one of the most powerful segments we've had on X-Ray in the morning was a Republican in Oregon or something to that effect. Um, because, you know, it's sometimes quote unquote easy to continue to follow down the path of people who think like you. And so um, I think as we continue to be driven by the community, we will naturally keep pushing ourselves to find out what we don't know we don't know. Um, and I hope a piece of that is bringing in more folks across the spectrum. Again, you can't hate someone that you know or whatever Cory Booker's statement is, but that's one of my hopes. How about you, Nina? What do you want to see in the next five years? You know, I got to interview you too. Sure. Um, one of the things I think that feels really poignant this year is how specific and like niche we're getting. Huh. Um, so, and part of that is just that we started releasing it as a podcast in 2020. And so now it kind of like quite literally has like a history. <laughs> Like you can listen to it all in one go over multiple years. You can in fact witness um, the literal last day that I like went to work like in person <laughs> um, for the 2020 Ample by Women. Um, March 9th, 2020, that was fun. Um, but it, one of those things that's been really, really cool about that is that as we get more specific, we've gotten into like, far more interesting conversations, in my opinion. Um, just like looking at the difference between like what Miranda and I booked in 2020 versus what we're booking this year. It's, I don't know, like Miranda is doing a segment, she recorded it uh, yesterday of Asian heritage um, with chefs uh, in Portland. And she's talking to Tui Pham um, and Nong from Kaumangai. Um, and she's really excited. Um, and it's very cute and I really like it. And I'm glad she's so thrilled. Um, I want to hear that. I can't wait to listen. I haven't heard it yet. Either. 
Um, but like things like that, like being able to have like such unique perspectives, like that it's not just like, okay, like women in labor, like women in music, like these are very like high level concepts. And I think we've gotten there, like we've done that and like moving forward into like, okay, what is the specific experience of this person or like the specific experience of this identity mixed with this identity? Um, and I think that's been really cool. I don't know if it's the next five years as I like think about my own question, but it feels like something that is the, how we keep um, building this into something bigger and that that is like a really valuable archive of content. I think on that note, I'd also like to see community submissions. And I, it sounds like you're doing something like that. Um, asking folks that what, what they want to hear, you know, um, I think in the past with the resource, sometimes scarcity at X-Ray, it's been a, let's get these people in and do an hour. That would be awesome onto the next, uh, but to have people really um, write their own stories and, and put that forward and maybe even produce um, putting in another level of expertise and learning um, would be a really exciting thing to see, you know, once we can get people back in the studio. You mentioned listening to the archive of Amplify Women. Where can folks find those episodes? So if you want to listen from 2020 on, um, you can go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or there's also an RSS feed if you use a different platform. Um, the, the RSS feed is on the X-Ray blog, which is blog.xray.fm, or you can just click the blog button on our site or on Spotify or Apple podcasts, you'll need to search Amplify Women X-Ray FM um, because Amplify Women are two like vague terms that turn up different podcasts too. Um, and if you want to listen to 2018 and 2019, um, those are actually an X-Ray SoundCloud. And that might be a project for a later time to see if we can get them on the podcast feed, but um they are linked in recaps on X-Ray's blog as well. So if you go to blog.xray.fm, you can search Amplify Women and you'll get five years of content and the recaps and the schedules and who was there. Well, thank you both for joining me and my like oh, yes. harebrained idea that I wanted to do this segment. Thanks for keeping it going, Nina. Thanks for keeping the movement going and bringing more voices into the mix and really appreciate all that you do for X-Ray and Kieran, thanks for setting us on the path in the first place. We wouldn't, um, we wouldn't have Amplify Women without you. So thank you. Of course. Thank you both for participating and Nina carrying the baton further. I'm so excited and just really grateful that this is still happening. So you've been listening to a retrospective on X-Ray's Amplify Women teaching five years in as a part of Amplify Women on X-Ray FM, a celebration of International Women's Day. I'm your host, Nina Dabbitt. I'm X-Race Development Manager. I also co-coordinate all this programming. Um, I've been joined by Emily Gilland, former interim executive director, former everything, former host of the local and X-Ray in the morning, producer of Vision 2020. I probably am forgetting something. <laughs> and by Kieran Bond, um, X-Ray's former community manager and one of the original coordinators of the first few years of Amplify Women. Stay tuned uh, to hear from Candace Avalos, Executive Director of Verde PDX and Chair of the Portland Citizen Charter Review Commission. Um, in the next hour, she'll be leading a roundtable of local leaders in a discussion on environmental justice in our city. Radio is yours. Radio is yours. <laughs>